Welcome to our special series, Tales from the Trail. A number of episodes that we've recorded as we're on the road around the western states for our winter clinic tour. We're sitting down with makers, craftsmen, tax store or western store owners, and ranchers as well, horsemen, to visit, to catch up, to hear their stories. And we thought it'd be interesting to share these as a special series on our podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy. Alrighty, guys. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'm just sitting down here with with John and Susan Wright in Elko, Nevada, and uh, really excited to share with you guys a little bit about the history of J.M. Capriolas and the saddle shop here, the Bitten Spurs, the Garcia work, and and we're going to start right back sort of towards the beginning for the three of you who may not know who Capriolas even is, but... um, uh, I just, I'm just so excited to hear a bit more about these guys and their story and, and the new ideas that they're, uh, they're coming out with here uh, just recently, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So first of all, John and, and Susan, thank you uh, for sitting down with me this afternoon. I appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out to us. Yeah, thank you. It. Yeah, absolutely. So Capriolas, what's, what's the story? Susan tells the story or the history the best as far as anybody can because she had to learn it all coming into the family. Uh, with me, it was always known where right. we've been and where we're going and yeah. our history. But for Susan, I think she explains the history the best because she had to learn it the hard way. She had to research <laughs> everything uh, coming into this yeah. business and this family. Uh, after we lost my mom, it was one of those deals that uh, I was thrown at the helm to run the place and uh, needed help. She did medical billing, and I said, I need you to step up. I need <laughs> you to come in. She'd never made ads, wow. uh, done anything like that. She had to learn Photoshop. She learned everything <laughs> from top to bottom in the business to make us successful and to to help get us to the point that we're at. But uh, as far as perfect dates and everything, Susan's (laughs) the one that's going to have to tell you that stuff. And I may correct her on some things, but uh, everything is so much more fresh in her mind as far as the knowledge and the history. Like like I was telling you before, I go back to my history Bible, and that is the book that um, John's mom and the help with Jan Peterson and Dee Dee Garcia. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they they wrote the book, and it's called The Legacy of Sil- <clears throat> Silver and Saddles. Yeah. And that is the, the complete history of G.S. Garcia and Jan Capriola, uh, where the two intertwine. intertwined right. and how they came together and how yeah. we have had our merger to be who we are right now. So long story short, um, Joe Martin Capriola worked for G.S. Garcia as an apprentice. Um, and that would be, date-wise, I don't know specifically, without going through my, my trusty Bible here. Um, but in 1924, Joe Martin and his wife um, moved back to town because they they, he briefly worked for G.S. Garcia as an apprentice. That's right. And built saddles and did all sorts of different leather work and repairs and he and his wife um, moved out to the Lamoille Valley on 
the Bellinger Ranch, which is now where the, if my history knowledge is correct, it's where the um, church is out in Memorial. Okay. And that's a historical landmark right. in itself. If yeah. anybody's ever seen pictures of Nevada, you've seen pictures of that church. So um, they moved back to town due to health reasons. Not exactly sure what those health reasons are. Jan Peterson with the museum. She's yeah. she's super privy on all of the details. Um, and rather than going back and working for GS, because this was after the World's Fair, after GS had become successfully... Um, known worldwide because of his World's Fair saddle um, he needed somebody to to take on repairs because he was too busy building new merchandise and so um, Joe Martin opened up his Elko Auto Top Shop which in the 1920s this would be 1924 at the time um, cars were a thing and there were it a lot a of vehicles in the yeah, this community that they needed the soft tops repaired, and so it was a lot of canvas work. And hence, I mean, we're in the right. warehouse today, and you see how much canvas we yep, still work still, with. Still working canvas. Um, and so he essentially opened up his doors in 1924. Right. But in our location, current location that we are now, was 1929, and right. that's when it became from the Elko Auto Top Shop to J.M. Capriola Company. Right. And so he successfully ran ran his business up until 1958. Um, And unfortunately, along the lines, he had sold and transferred ownership to different family members in his family um, for one reason or another, health issues, or there was a death. And he, at the age of 86 years old, ended up with the business again. Wow. So in 1958, Mm -hmm. um, John's grandparents were buckaroos um both have been inducted into some sort of buckaroo hall of fame both of them um i know john's grandfather has been inducted into the buckaroo hall of fame and his grandmother she's part of the hundred thousand miles club with a right uh, just she spent her entire most of her life horseback as a buckaroo wow um and he got sick with parkinson's disease and they found out and they had three small children and they ended up moving back to town and his illness brought him back to town and they had been customers of of sure. um yeah capriolas sure. for a long time and with joe martin being the age he was he wanted to sell and they were a perfect fit essentially yeah, yeah. um the reason why it kept the name jm capriola company is because the same year that his grandparents purchased the store it also burned to the ground and they lost all the merchandise within the business so wow. I mean just from a short time of taking over and starting a new life that they had to start yeah you know uh, Capriola made him a great deal to try and make everything possible to to make the deal work for them and yeah and they were hit with the tragedy that they were and I mean luckily all of the stationery was stored off-site wow. hence why the name never changed because my grandparents were too broke at the time from <laughs> yeah. purchasing a, a, a new business to watching it all go up in flames. Yeah. They With lost everything. Children. They I don't were, think your mom was born and she wasn't born. But well, they, she was born in 1950. Yeah, but yeah. they were going to take, they were, they, they planned on changing the name. Yeah. And, uh, they couldn't afford new stationery <laughs> and they had all of that. Yeah. But there were so many people that helped 
keep my my grandparents afloat uh, at the time that were saddle makers that were businessmen from all over the country everybody you know uh, had heard about what had gone on and I know that my grandparents made some trips over to Utah uh, with station wagon to pick up merchandise from different makers over there that basically said we know that you've had a hard rough go at it right now and you need to be able to make a go at this and come pick up these goods make it right with us whenever you can but you need something to get back on your feet and get going and and wow so i mean it's it's lucky that it even made it past that point uh as far as i'm concerned (laughs) when when you have something tragic like that happen but but the the stationary being stored off site is kind of i think a a key turning point in the story of keeping the history of capriola alive and there's not a lot of people that are truly aware of that and so there's a lot of trials and tribulations that this family's gone through to make sure and maintain that this this business stay within the industry because it is important that we do keep it as the guardians of tradition um encourage other and young you know other makers and young makers and absolutely everybody to stay within the scope of traditional gear making yeah um because we're losing a lot of it to larger i call them big box stores Mm -hmm. and we want to make sure that we don't lose the traditional way of building saddles and building hardware and building bits and spurs absolutely the craftsmanship that goes into all of those things is it seems like it's so easy to lose it and that's probably been happening to some degree for a hundred years at least you know with the industrialization and uh, it's exciting to me I think in the last decade or two maybe even a little more to see just a rise in interest Mm -hmm. in that and a recognition of like what you're saying that we need to preserve this and we need to um, you know in the old days they would guard those secrets it wasn't you know handed down as freely because of the fear of competition and different things you know whereas we're almost got too late where we needed to start sharing it and passing it on and and so like I said to you on the phone the other day you know part of what I want to do in what we're doing here is is maybe to help other folks recognize we're all on the same team here we're passionate about the western way of life that I mean that's you know that's the ultimate goal right there I mean my my mom was one of the biggest supporters I think of different makers that were out there Uh, from all of the shows of my my mom and my grandma and my dad whenever they would go to different venues to to put on a show uh, with our with our traveling goods my mom would always talk to different makers Mm -hmm. she would see up and coming braiders she would see up and coming fit makers anything and she always would buy a piece Mm -hmm. from those people right and I think that that's one thing that helps get a foothold for those people, knowing that somebody like my mom was to purchase it. So they could sure. say, you know, that's a feather in their cap. Yeah. And I think that uh, my mom always tried recognizing a lot of these makers. And well, she's, she could see talent. She could see talent. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, at one point we had, I think, seven or eight saddle makers upstairs in our shop. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a full house. And so you go from something like that to the high of high. And, you know, right now we have basically two saddle makers in there. And granted, I mean, you get a lot of people that are building out of their house and, and building saddles 
different gear uh, that are side cowboys. I mean, they're cowboys and building stuff on the side, and, yeah. which is, it's all great, but that's the thing that we don't want to lose. And I think that uh, showcasing everybody's artistry, but I think a lot of these young, I don't know if you'd call them a Gen Xer or whatever <laughs> that's I out there. That I, I, I can't keep it straight either, but we're getting to the point where I see a lot of people that want to know the story behind what they get. Yeah. You know, you have a generation where people wanted to save every penny that they have and are very tight with it but would spend it on high dollar goods and then you get a generation that we're having shopping now that they look for the history they look for the story they want to know the maker they want to know and own a little piece of that history knowing that they're the ones that that created it right so you know in a way it's kind of coming full circle it is uh it is as far as we we want to continue to protect our tradition and to carry that on. And so I, I think that the outlook of it is, I say, good, um, looking at the people that, that know quality goods exactly. and that they want to have a little piece of history to, to carry on. So. Well, the amount of talent out there that you can see now through social media. Yeah. It's, that's, it's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. Um, I know I when I go on the road currently, or when John's on the road, or when we're at a high school rodeo, and if there's another venue of some sort, a trade show, I'm always looking for a different artist. I want to carry on purchasing and encouraging young artists and different makers, young or old, it doesn't matter. You know, I want to encourage it because it is an art. It is a trade. It is definitely um, functional art and we cannot we cannot lose that absolutely so again for those who are listening and just kind of catching up with the history and your guys's passion for this craftsmanship and stuff uh what kind of gear are we talking here can you explain to folks like what do you primarily deal in you're making gear here you're accessing other makers and stuff what can people hope to find because it's not even just here in Elko. You guys are online and, and, uh, and one of the leading suppliers of, uh, of really nice, good Western working gear. So what can people find here? I, it's, <laughs> it's kind of whatever you're looking for. Uh, we try and accommodate to it. But Capriolas has always been known for our high-quality saddles. I mean, that is the main thing that we've always been known for uh right now we're about 16 to 18 months out right uh just because of the demand uh yeah. we only use two two exclusive tree makers so you get somebody like that that when when we're given orders we get a log jam on the time frame on waiting on trees and everything uh but uh, you know our saddles are our main thing and uh our garcia bitten spurs uh, that's been my main infatuation lately, and uh, that's what I've been doing and trying to carry on that. Uh, you could get wallets, belts, shaps, I mean, kind of uh, anything, jewelry, anything that you're looking for with our Western clothes. Right. I mean, we're a two-story 
one stop cowboy shop. And yeah. so, uh, canvas goods, TPs, canvas goods. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, you'd mentioned that, you know, worldwide, I mean, we've been to, uh, shows and showcased and sold items in Australia. We've been to Germany, to the Equitana. We've been to Italy multiple times. Uh, you know, I mean, we've been kind of been around the block peddling our goods uh, <laughs> basically the same way that GS kind of got started right when he started building goods he would come up with a wagon full of stuff <laughs> and go out to these various ranches peddling his goods That's right I and when he that. saw that there was a need for high quality or goods demand. and demand yeah, yeah. You know, that's what struck it for him. And he's like, that's the area that I need to be. I need yeah. to be there. I need to be manufacturing this stuff. I can't be coming back and forth from California and, right. and making the trek over. And that was just, sorry, that was in the late 1800s, if yeah. I recall. Is that well, right? he started essentially in 1893. Yeah. Um, and then moved to... Yeah, you better crack open. But, you know, with, with GS making that move and and making a catalog you know yes i mean you had sears and roebuck you had all these exactly. other businesses that were out there that always had a, a catalog uh gs had a catalog you know and that's something that uh, 1893 guys dreamt nice. of and would order from a catalog yeah we continued that with capriolas we still have a catalog to this day but with social media and with computers in the day and age uh you know it's so much easier for people i guess to get on there and have access to see it and, and uh, kind of have a live feed for it or you know with the reels and the different things that are out there to actually be able to see somebody tooling a saddle to be engraving a bit uh you know yeah. all of these things that it's a niche that when you can feel what goes into it, it it makes it more personal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. John and Sarah have generously offered their amazing historical coffee table book, Legacy of Silver and Saddles, to our listeners for the cost of shipping. So if you'd like a copy, click the link in the show notes and use coupon code TRUEWEST, all one word, at checkout. Now, back to our conversation. I've read about the history a little bit. I might have even looked at that book a time or two. I cannot remember for sure. But um, what was sort of the merger you were saying between uh, Garcia and Capriolas? So back to 1958, his grandparents purchased the store from right. Joe Martin. That's store right. store burns down. Um, they get back on their feet. Multiple makers from across the you know, United States or the Western United States, yeah. helped them get their inventory back up. That's right. And um, enabled them to successfully reopen the doors. Um, they rebuilt the store in the original location. It was a wooden structure. Um, it's funny now because our basement has two foundations. Wow. The 1890, or the, the late 1800s yeah. uh, foundation, and then on the outside of that is a new foundation from the 50s. Right. Um, and they were successful... Um, within the business here in Elko for multiple years yeah, multiple until years. their kids you know, took over. Yeah. Uh, and my that would my be... mom and her two brothers uh, had taken it over. 
Les Garcia, which is G.S. Garcia's grand or son, son. excuse me. Right. Uh, you know, when when G.S. left here, uh, he went back to California. And that was in '33. Because of health issues and that. Right. Um, but then Les and Henry kind of had a split. They had Garcia Salinas, uh, and were building bits right. and, and saddles and everything else in Salinas, and uh, you know, family Les deal and, and the... brothers. Uh, Les did the bits and spurs, and right. Henry, Henry did, did the, the saddles leather. and the leather. Right. Yes. But but they came to a point that they kind of wanted to go their own ways. Uh, Les moved to Reno, and was building bits and spurs in Reno, and uh, had contacted my grandparents and my parents, and you know, we had bought bits and spurs from them to sure. sell, but said you know. Uh, well, we, Les and his wife wanted to retire. Yeah, they wanted yeah. to retire. They were elderly. And it was one of those deals that they kind of made the family of us a, yeah. an offer to Purchase. take it, continue right. it going, yeah. uh, you know, and, and keep the tradition alive of what it is and yeah. not to lose it. And so I think my family, I don't think it was a very long thought over if we should do it <laughs> pretty, it was more or less easy answer there. can we afford it and yeah. how how do we go about making this and keeping this uh bits and spurs alive and and, yeah. and they may do with it and that's where we are you know today that uh i'm a third generation in this uh, right and i have a son that would be the fourth uh, and my daughter that would be the fourth also and my son has taken a fancy to engraving uh and i I love it i mean when i started out i started out doing leather work just as my mom did when she was little she used to go upstairs (laughs) and build little trinkets and cat collars collars for all the the barn (laughs) cats we still have a few of the barn cat collars so i mean you you know we had stuff like that to where uh, i got my taste uh, of leather work and I grew up sleeping in the leather bend and playing around <laughs> and being around all the different saddle makers that we had come through the door but yeah. I was drawn to leather naturally and uh, you know I could build saddles I can carve leather but uh, when you run a business and you're trying to do leather work uh, the demand for me is answering phones talking to people so it's really hard to keep your leather cased and ready and looking crisp with different interruptions and so lately uh, for me it's been the the silver work i can start and stop with it at any point it's not going to change uh you know he can be engraving a cheek piece and then i can holler at him that i need a half shaped and he can just drop that back in yeah side a little more flexible it's so much more flexible and and i think if i was you know, doing a lot of leather tooling and, and carving and being up in the saddle shop more, I think my kids would probably drift to that direction like right. I did. But sure. now that they've kind of saw the way things are and, and are around the silver work so much more, yeah, uh, I think it's made it kind of an easy transition for my son to, to be into this. Yeah, and that's so cool to, to see the family tradition there being passed on the craftsmanship the family history and and like you say to to keep that um that line alive of that work the bits and spurs and stuff and and have it have it carry on you know there's i think you said it earlier susan there's sometimes people don't realize what goes into these sorts of endeavors um 
you know, in these days we've got social media and, and most folks put up pretty... It was very glorified. ...fun stories and, you know, this is what's going on and it's, and it's kind of all positive or... And that's fine, right? But that's not the whole story always, you know, with... Well, oh, if you could go. only have a behind the scenes, <laughs> you know, I right. mean, if you were mic'd uh, just yeah. like they do I with the rodeo never. riders and everything else, <laughs> there'd be probably fired. be a lot of beeping and bleeping out because it's 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 people, real life. It's, it's real life, but Absolutely but everybody is. is under the assumption that if you own your own business, life is easy. That you know <laughs> you're well off. You you have it's a cake ride right. you know and a cakewalk and that they they don't understand that when you own your own business you're married to it absolutely when you clock in and clock out working for somebody when you, you leave you're done you're done <laughs> you're but for us well it's just yeah. like a rancher i mean yeah it's it's we're, it is. you never leave your 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 job it's, yeah. it's with you 24 7 the yeah. livestock are dependent upon you 24 7 just like our employees are and and our family is and the the other families that are dependent upon yeah. the success of or the longevity I should say the longevity of the business that we maintain um, and our customer base it's in, it's super important that we maintain the integrity the quality and everything that people have be, become to are accustomed to having we cannot lose that and Absolutely. we're not willing to um, to sacrifice the quality Absolutely. So we want to maintain that also, even if it takes a little bit longer to get to that customer or um, we may not have it in stock, but I hope that people do realize that we will do it. Yeah. We will get that done for them at whatever cost it may be, but yeah. we will. Well, I think that, that, um, that the sector of the market that you're working with appreciates that because um, that they're not going to, like you said, the big box stores. They're looking for the craftsmanship or the history, like you were saying, John. Uh, and and those are the folks that you want to be dealing with, and those are the folks that are coming to to you for for that quality, for the craftsmanship and the history that, that's behind all of that. And going back to you know the idea of small business and people's perception of it, or even like my business with horsemanship and cult starting and stuff, it's real easy to put up the you know, the videos that look good or the, the photos that are just, wow, that's quite a moment right there. And that's cool, right? But we all know that cult starting is not always Well, it's a marketing look tactic. Like that, right? You've got to make sure that it looks and good. And so, <laughs> it, like, I think there's that authenticity that mm -hmm. people appreciate, too. If I put up something that is um, a, the real deal, right? It's like, I, this, is, this is what I was trying to do. This is the horse's background. This is what we're working through, you know. I always try to make it part of an authentic pro process where people can see, hey, this, it isn't all roses or, you know, cherries, <laughs> yeah, a unicorn, you know, and, uh, and it's the same, I think, with any small business, but going back to, like you're saying, growing up and you're drawn to the leather work, you remember spending a lot of time up in the saddle shop, what's one of your favorite stories? What do you, what do you think of when you look back over those, those years of that experience and growing up in this business, what's one of your favorite favorite experiences or stories that you remember John I think one of the one that I cannot ever live down <laughs> and I mean a lot of people that have been in this business or through our store understand this story but uh, Pedro Padrini worked for us and Pedro got his start working for us and uh, 
I was up. Well, let me let me preface this. <laughs> so, um, Pedro is a good friend of ours, and um, John's mom really thought the world of, of Pedro, and he literally came from Europe over here and right, yeah. knocked on the store door and said, "I want a job," and yeah. she gave him a job. That's cool. And no, you can. No, you can. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've. I was in and out of the shop all the time. I mean, I went on shows with my parents everywhere, but uh, I would make things in the shop or I would do different things. And uh, at the time when I was growing up, pound puppies were a thing. They were a stuffed animal, pound puppy. That's right. And uh, I had a collar cut out. And that I was making for one of my dogs, and I, I asked Pedro. How I don't know you? if I asked him, and I don't even know. I don't even remember how old I was, but I needed the letters to be put on there. And I, I basically, I didn't ask. I think I told him <laughs> that I need the dog's name on the collar. <laughs> and he says, "Go away. I don't have time for you. You know, move <laughs> along, move along." Yeah. And I looked at him, and I said, "If you don't do it, you're fired." He was like seven years old, yeah. Pedro and says. Pedro, I thought he was going to fall off of his bench laughing. <laughs> and he continually laughed, and he laughed me out of the shop. And it, like, made me mad. And yeah. I went and told my mom. I yeah. says, he's fired because he wouldn't do what I said. <laughs> and so my mom's wondering what the scuffle is about. And yeah. so she goes in there to, to find out that the the true story behind it but you know like pedro had told he tells the story all the time he says you're the only one that's ever fired me and he says and i was fired by a little kid <laughs> and so i mean that's awesome it's a fun story of growing up with somebody like that and yeah uh, <laughs> yeah sharing those sort of stories and the memories that you have absolutely the other the other aspect that I love about my job is to visit and talk with former saddle makers that have worked in the shop at one point. And I enjoy to visit with them and the stories. To find out the history. Their history. Their history. You right. know? Within the There's store. two sides of every sure. story and to kind of get a taste of it. And, and so, like I said, Susan being an outsider in this whole, whole realm of this, she she wants to get the knowledge of anything and everything from from all different directions sure. and so she keeps a broad mind open and to know but it, she just loves hearing the history from somebody else to see how the different well, stories match up yeah you know? yeah some of my favorite stories are from like jeremiah watt and those stories and uh ken tipton sure um because all of those, I mean, those two are great saddle makers, and they'd work for us. They they, they got, got their start, start. Yeah. you know, and and that's the thing that we've always had um, for us. We've always, I guess, Capriolas has been, and I always said an institute. So it was one of those deals that we were, people came, they learned right. uh, the start that all these guys had got, you know, when Eddie Brooks was here and he helped train all these different people, my grandpa went and found Eddie Brooks and brought him to the store and, and got Eddie to be our main saddle maker and to, to help get, you know, 
keep us at the quality that we were and yeah. Chip Drush, all these different saddle makers that are out there that have all had their start there. And uh, I've, I, we've always saw that for the longest time that everybody wanted to come work there. Yeah. Everybody wanted to be able to say, I learned from right. Capriolas. Yeah. And I think that that was basically a, a chink in their armor type deal right. for them to be able to say that. You know, and you had to take in different people uh, with a grain of salt because you needed to know the long term what their what their intent was really wanting to come. Sure. Because at the at some point we got to the point that uh, we didn't want to have somebody go hang their shingle right down the street from us right. after we taught them everything and uh, they learned <laughs> everything from us, but then go in competition against you. Yeah. So I think that that was kind of the neat thing with GS and JM Capriola uh, because of the way that their they business, coexisted. they coexisted, you know. But they uh, really worked together purposefully where I don't think Joe Martin really built anything brand new until Garcia's doors actually closed. He did primarily mostly all of his repairs that needed to be done. Right. Um, he would build, I think, things that... Garcia wasn't building at the time. Mostly, I would say, working tack, yeah. harness-type right. gear. Right. Um, whereas Garcia was selling high-end, really nice items um, globally at right. the time. And this is the 1920s. And, That's incredible, isn't it? And the thing that I find fascinating is that where our store is today, those doors opened in 1929. Yeah. Stock market crash. That's right the dust bowl you got an yeah. entire almost decade of of um up until well, mid 40s yeah you've got kind a lot of, of trials times. and tribulations that occurred during that time frame but our neck of the woods the great basin region our primary industry at the time was ranching and, mm -hmm. and cowboying and the cattle industry and um he was successful. And yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah, how successful he was and maintained. Granted, nobody sees the the behind the closed doors kind of aspect of what he went through, and there's not a lot of history on the Capriola side. Right. Um, we don't know the the intent intense history other than what has been published surfacely. But I can only imagine the trials and tribulations that that family went through to maintain and keep yeah. keep the doors open of the store. Absolutely. Same thing with his grandparents, you know, losing losing the building oh, yeah. to a fire right and after. I don't, I don't I don't think I had ever heard that or read, read about that. We've been very yeah. fortunate that um, unfortunately I was brought into the business because of a tragedy within our family. But Paula had established such a great reputation um, with the business yeah. on a global level yeah. that John and I have been very, very fortunate. And um, we've been able to maintain and grow. Yeah, We've done some changing with certain things. And for instance, the bits and spurs. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. What are you guys, What's your vision with that? And just, just give us a little background for those that are listening with the changes in so how like you're John was saying, doing your bits and spurs. In 1978, uh, John's mom and brothers, at the time they um, 
purchased the Garcia Bit and Spur Company from Les Garcia. Right. And with the purchase of the company came the purchase of all the equipment. Sure. All of the... All the dyes, everything. Uh, complete shop, basically, from start yeah. to finish of what... Wow. And, and a lot of that stuff was handed down from G.S. Garcia. Sure. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're buying a lock stock shop. Yeah. But we're not bit makers. We'd know nothing about it, you know, my family. And uh, Les had told them, no, you buy it. I, I have all of my, you know, my, my guys, the family, all of my craftsmen will, they'll sign on with you guys and uh, make, it, right. make it happen. And so we had a, a warehouse that was just across the river. And that's where, at the time, we were getting all of our bits and spurs and everything built. Uh, just across the way we had our workers in there and then you know it's we're here right now and it's winter time I'm sorry but there's a lot of people that don't like cold and don't <laughs> like being around it and a lot of those workers it just wasn't their cup of tea being here yeah and uh, wanted to go back down to Mexico and so we made the transition to continually keeping those guys working for us and building our bits and spurs uh, with just those craftsmen down there right and uh, we've been doing it that way every, every since time. you know every since and uh, now we're to the point uh, we've lost a lot of those craftsmen yeah well that the, was the, that, was the craftsmen yeah. have passed away and and it's it's become a dying art down there. Wow. Just, there's, well, there's just a, as in the rawhide working and uh -huh. everything else. It's that, a different generation of, sure. of your makers and, and craftsmen down there. Yeah. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot of desire or need for young workers or, or you know, family members to want to come up yeah. in the ranks and to learn that sort of yeah. stuff. And so it's kind of turned to a dying art and we've lost a lot of our our guys down there and so it's just we had to learn to adapt we it, it's always been uh, a, a desire of mine knowing that right. we had this full shop yeah you know um, we had different silversmiths like Dave Alderson and other various silversmiths that are out there that are world famous that would use our equipment to, to manufacture um, buckles and, and to do our special line for us and to keep that going. And, and just in the back of my mind, I always kept saying, yeah. man, it would be so nice to go ahead and to yeah. learn to build bits and spurs. And I'm like, I tell my <laughs> wife that, and she's like, yeah, that's, that's the one other thing that you need to learn <laughs> to one do. More one, one more iron in the fire. One more iron in the fire. You know, it's, it's if you don't have enough things to do from running cattle and kids and high school <laughs> rodeo to, I mean, I was brand inspecting on the side. I was doing <laughs> anything and everything. And so she kind of, oh, yeah, 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 you know. And, yeah. and in my treks and, and shows and going out on the road, uh, I had met John Peters at the the pro am, right um, down there when the it was first in, year the, the first program. year okay. um, down in San Inez, and he and I just we clicked, we hit it off, uh, and it was just short conversations, just every now and then. And of course, being like my mom, I bought one of his bits down there. 
It's you know. still one of my most favorite items we've ever purchased That's was awesome. one and, of his uh, first bits. I think yeah. that it was the first, you know, he's sold bits and everything else to other people, but that was the first sale of the show. Right. And so... John I, comes running back to the trailer and he's like, look what I... look." Well, no, he sends me over to look at this bit and he's like, I want you to go look at this this artist over here. I just met him in, um, well, Nevada, Lot yeah. Miller. Miller now. Um, yeah. She had the fusion was it part of the fusion it was part show? of the fusion right, show which right. was okay. she was Such showcasing different artists you oh, know and, and, awesome. and that was her keeping helping keep the tradition Absolutely, alive too yeah. for, for that but but and uh so i i zip over and i meet john and i believe his wife was there too at the time and he had a table full of stuff he had built and it just i was in awe the talent yeah. that this guy had yeah and so I come back to our Capriola trailer. I'm like, just go buy whatever you can, whatever we can afford, buy it from him because this guy's going to be, he's going to be somebody yeah. someday. He's yeah. going to be big because he's so talented. Right. And I was still green myself, but I could see the talent yeah. from a mile away. Yeah, that is so cool. And just throughout, you know, so meeting John there and throughout, I guess, years of just social media messaging back and forth kind of talking to him and getting to know him a little bit better and then uh purchasing stuff from him or showcasing his stuff in the store you know for a while we were taking stuff in his jewelry his jewelry we were doing different so we we connected yeah and just kind of had a a really good working friendship and and that going on and i kept telling him you know, you need to come up here. You need to go through my shop. You need to see what we have. You know, it'd be neat to to get these things rolling again to yeah. introduce this sort of stuff. And and uh, you know, it was kind of in the back of his mind and knowing it. Uh, he'd uh, Susan and I put on the bit contest at our Cowboy Arts and Gear Museum. Yeah. So the bit contest is something that really helped draw John in. So he right. entered it and he saw how all of this you know was going and and uh i told him i said i'd really like to enter something but i don't know how to build a bit he says i'll build it if you engrave it oh yeah so i was like heck sounds great so he's you know he and i entered a co-entered piece yeah and we donated all the proceeds uh to the museum and we've done that for the last five years and so yeah john and i kind of had that bond and he was he would appease me by building me a bit and let me engrave it until the point, you know, where he came up for one of the bit contests and he's like, okay, you got a lot of stuff that we, we need to get out there. We need to get using this stuff. And he understood it. And so I was, I was like, okay, so do you want to build bits or, you know, are we going to do this? And he's like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And we, we kind of jumped in and he had worked you know, at the college in San Diego and with COVID and everything else and things going COVID on, changed COVID changed everything for a lot of people, yeah. you know, and Absolutely. he was just kind of to the point where he was, he was very busy. He had a lot of orders, but, uh, there's different types of craftsmen out there and there's craftsmen that can wheel and deal and talk with people and, He's an artist. He's an artist, right. 
Yeah. But he's not a salesman. Yeah. He doesn't want to be a salesman. He doesn't want to give any BS line. He yeah. doesn't want yeah. to. He wants to build what he wants to build. Yeah. And get out of his way and let yeah. the magic happen. Yeah. And so he's like to the point. He says, "I don't want to have any more orders of mine." He goes, "I don't want to deal with the public. I don't want." <laughs> he's like, "I just want to build." Yeah. Bits. I want to build them all different. I want to build anything that I want to build. Yeah. And I said. Okay, I'm game. Let's <laughs> let's do this. Let's we'll sign this up. And yeah. So these two, we all got on a conference call one afternoon, and John and John and yeah. Rose was there you too. Know. And is this something that we want to do? And we were, the world was shut down. It was COVID. Right. We were still working. We never. We were sh- busier than ever, honestly. But I it mean, was branding season too. Right. It's branding season, but yeah. I mean, COVID. I have to say, COVID and Yellowstone, <laughs> as much as a lot of people out there oh, don't want to man. hear it, I yeah. honestly think it's helped the industry. It's helped the whole industry. It's helped the horse I, industry and the yeah. Western industry. I mean, horse prices, because when COVID hit, everybody's doing Zoom call meetings yep. and they're watching Yellowstone. So they're like, I want a horse. <laughs> I want to learn to ride a horse. I want to train a horse. Yeah. So you get all these people that don't have to go into the office anymore that are backseat cowboys yeah. that want to be a full-fledged. Yeah. So they then had to go find the goods that it takes. They had to find the horses. They had to find yeah. the merchandise. Really I mean, good for, for the us, breeders we were and the trainers, but correct. those that are out there looking for horses, it's been really tough. <laughs> yeah, it's been tough. But, I mean, like I said, that is the only good thing that's come out of COVID. Yeah, yeah. And, and if there's anybody in the Western industry that wants to go toe-to-toe with me on it, <laughs> I'll fight them tooth and nail because I have to say, we... Things, COVID's been phenomenal for things, the equine We couldn't keep industry. anything on, on the shelf, you know? That's, I mean, saddle amazing. orders, everything. But, yeah. but being all of that, John and I and Susan, we, we were just talking. We said, well, how are we going to do this? How are yeah. we going to make this work? And and uh, John pitched different ideas to us, and I said, great. So he was basically fabricating a lot of them still, like what we did with the bit contest, and right. he was sending them to me. I'd engrave them, and we were getting them cranked out that way to kind of speed things up. And then, you know, like I kept telling him, I want to, I want to be able to, be able to build, build them well. myself. And yeah. he's like, okay. So... He gives me a list of, you know, when he was up here the one time for the bit contest, he comes to a shop and he made a, a, basically a list in his head of all the things that I need to buy <laughs> to make this a functional bit shop. Right. And he's like, okay, so this is everything that you need. Get it Once you get it all bought and once you get it set up or whatever, call me and I'll make a trip up and we'll get... I'll give you a crash course. And yeah, I was like, yeah. okay. So, I mean. That just so happened to be the same time that Jennifer Dennison did the interview that right. was published in Western Horseman. Western Horseman, right. So, I mean, it was one of those deals that I was like a kid in a candy store that knowing that I <laughs> was going to be able to do this, I didn't want to drag my feet. Sure. You know, I didn't want Ready that opportunity to slip away from me. And so it was one of those deals. I called him and I'm like, hey. I got everything. And he's like, okay. He's like, so when do you want me? And I was like, well, when can you come? He goes, well, I'll be there next week. Perfect. He shows up and, you know, we went through and he uh, more or less went step by step on, on fabricating the mouthpieces to 
you know, welding. Nicole I mean, and I got to to watch this whole process. Yeah. Yeah. Come to fruition, and it was. So it was. It was pretty. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. You know, learning uh, to where we both had the same jigs. So basically, right. he had to go to keep everything symmetrical. So he was building me all of the different jigs to keep all of our mouthpieces all the same, everything. So nothing is different exactly. per se. I mean, the engraving is yeah. the only thing that's different, but the same sure. quality that goes into mine and his and yeah. the merger of both of them, it's all the same. Yeah. So he, he went ahead and, and prepped me, showed me how to basically, I sat down for three days and watched and uh, got a little bit of hands-on, you know, my son was in here and uh, he was watching, kind of getting a, a taste of it. And, you know, you have to weld all your, your, your brace, you know, everything, your yeah. mouthpieces, your rollers, everything, all yeah. the different welding. And my son was more infatuated with running our new TIG welder <laughs> than I ever had a chance to weld on it. And it was like, we come down to the day three of lessons and John's leaving in like six hours and I go, hey, I haven't really sat down and learned to weld yet. Right. He's like, okay, so I got a crash course in TIG welding. I mean, I'd <laughs> welded with MIGs and everything else before, right. but to TIG weld and he's like, oh, piece of cake, you got it. You know, I <laughs> within a couple hours and I was like, well, is it to your standards? Is it high enough standards for what Which we're putting our name on yeah that's right as far as you know if we're going to be representing each other and yeah. garcia bittensburg yeah. there's no slacking there's no yeah there, there's no leniency in it and so he's like you're only going to go up from there yeah and i so to me john has been uh my best friend my coach my mentor if i ever had questions it was hey yeah. We'd FaceTime, and he's like, okay, do this, do that, do this, try yeah. this, try that. I mean, That's the most supportive cool. person ever. Yeah. And he's like... And John also has his core group of mentors, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's got I Jeremiah. Mean, Jeremiah and John are, yeah. you know, I would probably say as close as John and I are. Right. But I don't think that Jeremiah gets... Um, 20 phone calls a day like John and I do I mean there's people that are like you guys have a bromance <laughs> and, and so we laugh about it but you know yeah. he John was self-taught that's the thing about it he has gotten different videos or different things but he learned everything yeah and is all self-taught and so he's that's the he's talented. he's a he's a natural artist I mean the guy used to pinstripe and paint cars for a living fancy cars motorcycles i mean you give him anything the talent that the guy has <laughs> just the artwork he can sketch his sketches his, yeah yeah and, and and so i mean that's that's the whole thing is is to have all of that kind of merge and come together yeah and have that ability because i i wouldn't have been able to be in we wouldn't be able to sure. be in the position that we're in yeah um, without, I, I mean, we probably would, but it would be a long process of me going to different schools, going to here, going to this, trying to learn to take it in. But when you have a friend as good as he is that makes that happen, yeah. and 
all I have to say is all of the stars and the moon had to align yeah. perfectly. That's just what I was kind of thinking. For the time and the way that the action went, everything that went into this, it was just like, do we jump in? Yeah. We, we okay, did. we're, you, yeah, we're you either do or you don't. Plug your yeah. nose here, we're going, it's yeah. going over our head deep. whether we're <laughs> yeah, ready exactly. or not. And, and that's you know, where we're at. We've had that conversation about, you know, we just lift our hands to the sky and pray to God that this is gonna this is gonna work and this is gonna be the next step for the Garcia Bittensburg yeah. company and I I'm just I'm so thankful for the opportunity to work with good artists and thankful for the um, you know the opportunity that we are able to utilize all of this equipment that Absolutely. hasn't been used since well mid well early 80s yeah I mean yeah. All, all of and a lot of this equipment that you have right here, there's a picture in the book that it's the same exact equipment from the 30s, 40s, wow. 50s, yeah. um, up until the store acquired the company in yeah. 1978. And we've had a lot of questions about the, you know, Garcia Bittensburg company. Sure. And yeah. It's not going in, away, yeah. you know, and, and Caprio was, does own Garcia Bittensburg company. And yeah. We are going to continue building bits and spurs, but they're going to be a little bit different. They're going back to the traditional characterization that GS Garcia bits look like. You know, yeah. they're not GS Garcia bits. I do need to clarify that because there is, I think, a common misconception. Um, Garcia bit and spur company comes from GS Garcia, right? And that's the family tradition has been passed down. Exactly. The business was passed down. Um, but it is still Garcia Bit and Spur Company. Yeah. And they are original Garcias. And they're they're all numbered, you know, yeah. the way that uh, back in the day when my parents took it over, uh, we we did sticker numbers in them. There was. And there's a lot of those. There's still, still a lot of those, those stickers in them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the stick them that they used back then it for different serial numbers, and then we went to giving them a traditional serial number and we had to try and stay ahead of the curve because there were so many people out there through the 80s and, and 70s 80s all these different times that people were trying to knock off what we did right they all wanted they saw how successful garcia Benton spur is and that was what everybody wanted to be yep and so you get a lot of knockoffs imposters fakes but you get people playing off of the spin of okay i sit down and i drop a whole new bit cheek piece everything something different something out of the box you go through you build it and then well it's you have not, to test it too to make sure yes, that the cheek piece it. is going to balance with the mouth pieces that you're going to implement but, but it's not spend the time making sure that the two balance and work and that it, it's actually a functional piece of yeah. tool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And. But I mean, it's not even three months later of doing something and building it, designing something new. Right. That somebody else is already well, out there using the same cheek piece designs, using right. what you basically have. And so you call them out on it. You say, and you say, well, did you do that? And they're like, oh, yeah, I drew it up. And I said, really, do you have the sketch of this? <laughs> and they're like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, if you designed it, 
I, I'd like to see it because I have the same sketch and it's dated the date that I drew this up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, we didn't draw it up, but we, we liked it, so we, we just wanted to use it. Yeah. So, I mean, you get all these people, and that's where I had the hardest I think time. every artist goes every, through that. Every artist has that. Because yeah. anybody, it's been, it's been said time and time again, you can't reinvent the wheel. Right? No, but and there's no and original ideas either. And you've got to really, I think one person, and I keep mentioning the entire Watt family, but they think outside the box. Yeah. Nevada is, she is so brilliant when it comes to her ideas. And she does. She creates a new look for everything that she does. There is nothing that she is duplicating. Right. And I love that I can look at her work and know that that is truly original. Um, and I hope that we too, you can't reinvent the wheel. You can't reinvent the Santa Barbara cheek piece. Sure. You can't. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Santa Barbara is a Santa Barbara <laughs> any way that you look at it. But, but there are but different there's a things. uniqueness. There's a, a style. Or, Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's where John and I were like, we want to do something that has our own flair. It, it is a Garcia. It says Garcia made the USA yeah. and everything else because we own the company. We're building them, but it's something that not everybody can do. Not yeah. everybody can basically try and copy the one that we do. Or you're going to be able to ride and be going on a long trot and look over, and you're going to go, oh, that's, that's one of those bits. Of and you're like... I think one of the most exciting things about this whole entire change for Capriolas was having a conversation with uh, Dwight. Sorry. Okay, yeah, I know Dwight. Um, having a conversation <laughs> with Dwight, and we were talking about um, the transition of making the bits in-house, and right. he just thought it was a phenomenal idea because we are able to take whatever we're, we're building in the shop, yeah. use it at home, try it at home, make sure it's... Exactly yeah, I mean, what we want we're to not going to build shelves. something that's not functional. That's exactly. not going to be to our specs. And, and one and that it, Dwight said was your spade mouthpiece placement and how important it is. Absolutely. Where you have, and I, we do not clarify this. We do not own spade bit horses and we are not spade bit people, but I can truly appreciate a, a spade bit horse. And because yeah. it is, it's such a, a long process to get yeah. to that point but placement of those bars yeah and of the braces. braces yeah and I he taught me so much when it came to spade bits <laughs> and knowing exactly what it should look like what it should feel like what it should yeah. how it should balance and that to me was kind of the the last thing I needed to hear from somebody outside was you can change this. You can make this different. You can make it yeah. exactly the way it needed to be. And that was an aha moment for me. Yeah. And it's been great to see the response from the working cowboys around here. And when there's new bits and spurs in the case and they come in and when they, they want all to see come it. in, they're, they're <laughs> like every every weekend or every different pay period that they would come in. <laughs> And they would press against the glass, and they're like just drooling, and they're pointing at it. Oh, look at this one! Look at that one! Oh, this one's so different, you know. Yeah. yeah. We do the same cheek pieces, but as we tell people in all, all the disclaimers, they're all going to be different. I mean, you can give us your feedback if you want one custom made, 
of what you would like. Sure. But to John and I, to keep us from ever getting burnt out on doing repetition. They have to be able to have their artistic freedom. Yeah, Absolutely. we, we got to have that freedom, and it's a blank canvas. And that's what I tell people, you know, when we're down at the NFR and we're selling the bits and spurs down there in our booth. And they're quizzing me and question, well, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And I'm like, hey, when you're going to build as many as we're going to build, and you're going to be riding or you're going to a ranch rodeo or something, and you ride up along somebody, you're going to admire it, but you don't want it to be the same as yours. Right. You want to have your own flair. You want yeah. to be like, hey, this is a one of a kind. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it may have flowers on it. It may just be scrolls. It may be, right, you know, but bright cut, anything. But it's it's just the own flair that we can see it as a blank it's like, canvas. Yeah. It's like buying a painting. Not everybody's going to like that same painting. So That's you're right. You're going to want to change it up. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to get the feedback from the working cowboys, from the horsemen that um, are using them yeah. and loving them. And I, I, it's a great feeling Absolutely. to think that we are able to provide that. Um, the main thing for me is knowing what goes into them. Because, you know, you have so many different saddle makers and production saddles out there, everything. Most people don't ever have the slightest clue what goes into it. They don't know if it's a production line. Yeah. One person puts the ground seed in, one person does this. I wanted to get back to the basics. I wanted to, I don't want to produce, mass produce. I don't right. want to get anything and flood the market of it. I right. want everything to be collectible, to have its own history, its piece. You know, with the saddles the same way. Yeah. I want to keep the structural integrity in everything, knowing the gauge of silver that we use. Right. Everything that goes into yeah. them and the, to the where steel. if I'm stamping my name in it, yeah. I'm backing it up. Yep. And we know, you know the quality and it's quality over quantity. Correct. Correct. And yeah. that's so you get all these different bit places out there that are no name or off brand or this or that, and we get people calling us up. Hey, will you repair this? And I, I'm just like, take it back to the place you bought it. Take it to them. <laughs> and see we if will. They're stand this is behind. the one thing that yeah. we stand beside. We stand beside our work 100. percent If yeah. somebody purchases a saddle Anything. or a headstall I mean, or that's, that's a curb strap, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we will. We will definitely do whatever it takes to make our customers happy, and especially with our bits and spurs, we will make sure that you know. Yeah. 100% of what we build and what we, even some of the stuff we don't build, I still honor it, you know? And I I just want to make sure that our customers, they're number one. They keep yeah. our doors open. Yeah. Um, they've enabled our company to stay in business for 94 years, and we're 94 <laughs> years young. And I heard it, well, yeah. It's like, it took me a while. Yesterday I was talking with a customer, and uh, he was kind of quizzing me of our history. Right, And I'm like, well, I'm third generation. And he looks at me and he goes, it's the third generation that always loses it. And huh. I said, really? And he says, you don't know that? He says, it's that way in farms. It's that way in ranches. It's this and that. And, I, yeah. and he's like, so what's your intent? And I said, well, my parents and my grandparents have worked hard enough on this business. Yeah. And they've made it through everything that they've made it through from a fire to... I mean, my parents were on the road with a full 
trailer yeah and it burnt to the ground with all of our merchandise in it oh i mean goodness. so we've we've had all of our uphill battles everybody's going to have them in business sure. yeah sure. but the thing is is it's whether you get back up and keep going yeah. and get back on the horse once you're bucked off yep and i just told the guy i said well you're not going to see it in my lifetime yeah you know my mom's goal was she she always told us i don't care what happens to the store as long as it makes a hundred years that was her biggest goal. She says there is very few businesses out there, yeah. especially in the Western industry, that can ever say that they made it 100 years. Yeah. So you have different saddle companies in different places that have made 100 years, but they've never been 100 years in business consistently. Yeah. Within the and same family. Within the sa- yeah, within the same and family. And granted, or, we're not the same family for the Capriola family, sure, but sure. Jill Martin ran out of family. But yeah. the doors never, yeah. yeah. But the and doors, doors never close. close, and it's the same location. I mean, there's yeah, there's some really unique things there, guys. And just hearing you talk about the history of it and and the traditions of the Garcia Bit and Spur Company, how that progressed. To think that you're using that same equipment, you know, today, and you've changed the way it looked over the last 20, 30, 40 years. I, I'm personally, I'm really excited about it. I'm excited. I mean, you're excited what American doesn't love USA made for one thing, right? And the craftsmanship and the, um, the attention to detail. Not that there's anything wrong with, with, you know, taking your production other places and you can still take, you know, produce quality things. I'm not saying that you can't, but there's something about having your hands right there in the mix of it and understanding, like you say, being able to ride and use the gear yourself um, and having a working understanding of the way these things are supposed to work. Because like you say, the spade bit, the most technical mouthpiece mm-hmm, there is, um, it's pretty dang important that we stay consistent with those um, specs, well, after, you know, and, and those sorts well, of things. And all of the way it works. Me, yeah. Um, I can't look at another spade bit the same. No. And it is amazing. I, I, I would love to see somebody create a book about just the spade bit. And I know there's thousands of them well three or four anyway (laughs) (laughs) there's thousands of opinions oh yes yes there is um but something that shows the correct function the correct use the correctness of it because absolutely sometimes some of the it's most misunderstood it's the most misunderstood absolutely yeah you know but every every different horse and every different rider are going to have a different response to every space that's right so the thing is, is we have to be able to build the most versatile in those yeah. and the most user-friendly. Yeah. Now, if you tell me you want a five-inch spade or anything else, we will build you what you want Sure. to the specs, yeah, to, exactly. to balance, to, you know, and if, if, if you tell me that this is what you want in this cheek piece, and if I get building it, and it's not going to balance or it's not going to be gonna work a fully functioning bit, yeah. I'm going to flat out tell you, yeah. you need to go back to the drawing board or I'm not going to build it. Or, or it's going to go to the scrap it. pile because <laughs> I'm not going to put it on our shelf either. So yeah, that, and exactly. That's, that's a huge part of it is we got to make sure that it's exactly... I mean, we've stayed... What it needs you know, to be in From the beginning, we, we stayed small. You know, last year when we showcased... Um, we were fresh out of the box. We were kind of wanting to see how it was going to get received. We went to the pro am, and uh, 
from what we had. You know, we weren't selling any of them. They were for sale, but they couldn't take well, them we because we needed to build up, build up enough inventory sure. to showcase. And if them. it wasn't for Nicole, so Nicole Poyo, she does all of our product photography, and right. she's, a, she's one of my best friends. Um, she told these guys to stop selling them so she could get the pictures of them so we could actually <laughs> yeah, create a catalog. because we were selling them as fast as we could right. get them done. She but then we're like, get up well. here from Bruno to take pictures of them. <laughs> so we, we had, last year we had a case full of them that already had names on them. Right. And she kept on telling these guys, stop. Stop. Just Slow down. Need to you take need to pictures stop. Of these. I need to be able to get product photography is what yeah. she said. So yeah. we, we stopped last year. We had you know from all the ranch cowboys around here they would see whose names on them they come in and oh okay so-and-so's got that one so-and-so's got this one and some of them weren't too happy about oh they weren't <laughs> happy you know and so we go to pro-am and then what ones didn't have names, names we took names and yeah, everything names, else uh, then yeah. from there we went to nfr and we we added to the collection and we kept building but we weren't going to release any of them basically until, until we, got we got back from nfr because we needed to be able to showcase them at nfr right like i mean you're going on the world yeah, sure. you're yeah. going on the world's stage yeah and, and going in front of that many people if, if you want to do a debut or if you want to do something, if yeah. you don't have the product, it's a flop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And so we, we did that, and it was funny because this year at NFR, everybody says, how come there's uh, no names on these? <laughs> and I said, well, because you could actually take them this year. Oh, we could buy them? We could actually, like, buy them? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, this is great. So then they get to touching them and everything known. But yeah. a lot of people are like, I really don't want to have to wait till." after you get home to have you ship it to me i want to take it i want to put it in my suitcase right. i want to write it tomorrow you know yeah so it's down there uh <laughs> i don't think i've ever been i mean i was quite tickled but uh, anybody in the team roping industry uh knows the name d pickett he's been an all-around world champion team roping champion uh d has not roped or rode a horse in i think he said 25 28 years he just wow. was like i gave it up yeah, and he comes in our booth and I recognized him because we used to my dad used to have him come out and do roping clinics him and Mike Beers used to go okay. out to the horse palace do team roping clinics all the time right I recognized him right away and I got to talking with him and, and he's drooling over our bits I mean <laughs> so I'm sitting here thinking okay we have a team roper a world champion team roper yeah. that understands the quality and it, yeah. and the integrity that goes into them and I was like okay this is a good thing and so I'm like quiz name he goes I'm I gave it up he goes team ropers they're not horsemen <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> you can add I don't care all, all opinions are not necessarily yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll that, that is like, his opinion yeah, is what yeah. I should say but he tells me that and he goes and I, I kind of just sat there and was like, okay, this is coming from a world champion team. Yeah, he goes, yeah. That's why I got out. I'll be he said, they lost the basics of what goes into making a horse. And so I had to really sit back and I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And he said, none of those horses could pack anything up here, basically. You know, he goes, mm -hmm. there's a few. But he goes, my goal, he goes, I bought a horse last year. And he goes, I started riding again. Wow. And he goes, my ultimate goal, I'm going to make that a spade bit horse. Nice. And I was like. <laughs> That's cool. I, that I mean, cool. like, that was yeah. like the icing on the cake. I was like, wow. really? Yeah. And he came in three days. 
all the time, drooling, touching, and he finally pulled the trigger, and he bought a spade. <laughs> he did buy. He bought a spade, and he said, wow. "I'm gonna get." Well, he goes, "When my horse is ready." Yeah. He goes, "You'll be the first person that gets a picture of my horse with your spade bit on it and everything else." And he goes, "That's yes. that's what I want. That's my ultimate goal." Wow. And he said, "If people went back to horsemanship." like they need to you know and granted he's like most people can't get to that point because horses are worth so much money that if you get one there you know the years that it takes you yeah. to start back over to find yeah. one he's like you know industry's good right now you nobody can complain about it in the yeah. horse industry yeah great horses are always worth great money mediocre horses is always worth mediocre i mean yep. that's that's just the standard but yep. but when he puts it in that aspect I mean, that was a feather in my cap, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty cool. Because you have somebody cool. that is world champion that wants to go back to the basics. Yeah. Comes to us. Yeah. Recognizes that. Yeah. Gets that whole... I mean, he was emotionally connected already. I mean, yeah. it was like... <laughs> you could just see his eyes light up when he walked in every time. And I was yeah. sitting here thinking, okay, is he going to buy one today or not? Type <laughs> deal. And sure enough, he does. So, I mean, that's, that that's so cool. the stuff that makes this for us and makes me want to continue doing what we're doing yeah. when you get feedback like that from him from Dwight Hill yeah you get all of these horsemen people yeah. that understand quality yeah and what goes into it and buying longevity products that's that's the ultimate goal that's why that's what you want to strive for when you're in business absolutely yeah that is so cool. Yeah, to have that, um, that caliber of a fellow, you know, recognizing your work and, and also recognizing what he wants to do now with horses and, and where he wants to go with that and, and that he wants to do that with your, your bit. You know, that, sure. he, that, he, that, he, that that's his goal. That's awesome. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. John and Sarah have generously offered their amazing historical coffee table book legacy of silver and saddles to our listeners for the cost of shipping so if you'd like a copy click the link in the show notes and use coupon code truewest all one word at checkout now back to our conversation and you guys have mentioned before a little bit about the um, bit contest here in, in elko and and you were guys were instrumental in sort of getting that started is that right yeah um so susan and i are part of the Cowboy Arts and Gear Museum. Um, right. And thanks to the contribution yes. from Envy Energy. Envy Energy. They had uh, Th That was G.S. Garcia's right. original building. So I we, gotcha. we kind of got to give you, you know, back it up a little bit and get yeah. some history. So yeah. um, that old power building, the Envy Energy building, which is about five doors down yeah. on our block, yeah. was G.S. Garcia's original building. Gotcha. Um, my mom had known that forever i mean and she always kept saying that would be so neat to turn that back into a museum like a working type museum of gs's right and uh i you know we outgrew our little museum upstairs yeah i mean i got to the point that uh, my dad and all of us would go through um, we all, all of us collected. My dad enjoys collecting still to this day. He collects stuff. Yeah. But we had our collection upstairs. We were running out of sure. space. We yeah. had filing cabinets of bits <laughs> and spurs and different odds and ends. And, and it was one of those deals that, uh, 
we were up at one of our family uh, brandings up in Tuscarora, and uh, there was a gentleman there that he was struggling roping. Like, I could see it, and nobody else would help him. Nobody... Well, you know how brandings can often be. It's kind of survival of the fittest sometimes. You know, and and so... (laughs) I don't play that way. (laughs) I I just, I felt the need that I kind of had to give him some direction and some help and block for him and kind of set up shots and he started catching and it just was making his day and I didn't know who the guy was. Just honestly. lit him up. Right. And yeah, it made his yeah. day. And so at the end of the day we get to talking and so he, he tells me that he's CEO of MD Energy and, and I gave him the spiel. Well, yeah. You gave him the history about I gave yeah, him the history about, the history about that. And he knew a little bit and... about it. Um, I don't think that they were trying to sell it. They were trying to find a nonprofit. They couldn't sell it to get it up to code. So they uh, were trying to find a nonprofit to make a donation, huh. and we, John and I, reached out to different uh, the co-author yes. of <laughs> the book, the legacy book, um, and she is a huge history yeah. buff within I'm our sure. community. She's a, she's a town sexton. She knows where every body is buried. Yeah. In so so Jan county. knows everything, and I give her the feedback. I was yeah. like, hey. Yeah. What do you would think? you would would you be in if we can get a, a nonprofit and a, yeah. everything put together, we could open this up as a museum. And she's like, "Yeah, I, I'm game." You know, so we put together all of our board and, and crew, and she's the one that invested she, her blood, blood, sweat, and tears yeah. into the the museum. And and so we, we made we got it put together, and, yeah. and the five hundred one c three and NV Energy turned it over to us. They went through and. They had to rehab it to their standards before they could turn it over to us because it had to be up to code on different things. Um, they didn't want to just turn over a blank building to a yeah. just starting up 501c3 because sure. everybody knows museums don't make money. I mean, I'm just going to put that out there for <laughs> yeah, everyone. If anybody has, if anybody a, has a need for a tax write-off, yeah, that museum. Right. We're um, always accepting donations. There you go. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, museums aren't money makers, no. and, and so it's one of those deals. NV Energy knew that they went ahead and gave That's us awesome. that head start on giving us the building, getting everything operating and, yeah. and going. They gave the front of it a facelift. Facelift so to try and transition it to that old so facade. So page twenty-eight the old look. in the book yeah. gives you the depiction of what that building used to look like, and um, with the help of a local architect and in wow. NV Energy, they refab the. The, the yeah. face the of, it of it. And nice. So from that point comes, okay, what do we, we, do have to, we, have we have to, to make some money. You got to make money. You yeah. have to try and draw people in. Yeah. And I kind of went back to the whole thought of, you know, my mom trying to showcase different artists. Right. Because my, my mom used to do the gear show during cowboy poetry where she would bring sure. in various artists whether you braided whether you engraved built right. saddles anything she had a showcase for all new up-and-coming talent my mom basically helped put together the cowboy poetry gathering trade show as it is right. you know so that i had to kind of think and set back and i was like okay what if we did a bit contest yeah Perfect. And it was fitting. It was fitting for us. It was <laughs> sure. Garcia's, Garcia's building. Yeah. So let's do a bit contest. And everybody goes, well, how are you going to do a bit contest? You know, what is your, what's, what's going to make it unique? What's going to be the different standard in this from, 
you know, a TCA member to Joe Blow, a cowboy out on the wagon building yeah. bits. And I said, well, okay, here's the deal. Everybody has the same playing field. Everybody has right. the same blank canvas. Right. The deal is they send in their entry fee. Part of it goes into the kitty and the pot for them as added money. The other part goes to benefit the museum. Right. From there, everybody gets the same cheek pieces. So yeah. we decide, you know, the first year it was a Nevada cheek piece and this and that. So we change every year, but yeah. everybody got the same cheek piece. Brilliant. And... <laughs> The other thing is, is you could steel engrave it, you can inlay it, overlay it, whatever you wanted to do, any mouthpiece. The other main thing is, they couldn't be priced over 2500 So that was kind of, kind of our cap on it, you know, yeah. because you get some artists that can, like I said, they can build the Taj Mahal, but I wanted it to be a functionality deal. Yeah. I want you to still be able to ride them. I want yeah. them to be to where a cowboy can buy them, yeah. honestly. So... We, we put that standard in there. Yeah. Plus that kind of, it, it's going to deter some of the guys that don't want to invest as much time as they do in some of these other big high class shows. Sure. sure. You know, years of work into them yeah. or six months. So it was one of those deals that is kind of, I say, a fun speed type deal. Uh, everybody basically gets their cheap pieces August, September, somewhere in there. Right. And then, like I said, they have their deadlines, their different parameters that they're judged upon. Yep. And, and the other thing is that the, the judges are all horsemen. Correct. <laughs> they're all horsemen. They're, so, not, they're not bit makers. They're not right. engravers. Um, they are either... I mean, we've had to bring different engravers and different people in as tiebreakers tie on Dave some Alderson of those. Dave Alderson right. is actually some one of, of those our tiebreakers uh, one year. Uh, but, I mean, we've had... I wanted horsemen to judge it. Yeah. I want them, you know, and that was the main thing in the bit contest, I think, on judging is functionality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're going to build a bit, it has to be functional. Absolutely. Well, you and, can have the Taj Mahal. It's just like building a great house. If you yeah, don't have a yeah. great foundation, that it, yeah, the house isn't exactly going to last. Right. Correct. Yeah. So, so we, you know, functional. functionality was the main thing in that contest. And then we had some of the other categories that they're judged from 1 to 10, and there's five categories. That's very um, cool. And from that point, they they get listed on our website and the and on the Cowboy Arts and Gear Museum dot org. Right. Um, they're all going to be on there. You could go through. You can see the showcase of them. And uh, Nicole Poyo does all of our photography, and, and she, we're very grateful she to have her. She donates all of that to wow. to the museum. Yeah. So we have Nicole come in, shoot all the photos, Susan, and uh, uploads them onto the website for the museum. Yeah. We, you know, over the years we had to try and figure out because we were selling them and we were selling them in-house, silent auction, you know, where sure. you were writing stuff down. Well, then I had so many people that would see them all over the world. I yeah. mean, that they're like, how do I get to bid on this? How do I do that? And right. I, we, and I was like, we can't sit there and stick with the same Finally platform. Finally this year we have a, a platform that is like a shop type platform um it will be through paypal yeah um and anybody can but you log can bid in and register yeah. and anybody Perfect. can Good. bid on these bits and we will ship worldwide yeah so awesome so um, the but it goes back to the makers it yes. goes back to the museum all the right. proceeds um so if you're needing a tax write-off um, <laughs> and that's coming up in january is the contest, during the national right? cowboy during poetry the, gathering it's the, it, 
in the January, first part of February. Right. Um, but we have a, a very nice reception where a lot of the bit makers do come out for it. Um, we have guys from back east in Missouri building in the contest to Oregon, to Texas, to nice. Oklahoma. Uh, we've had, well, we have Canadians in it mm-hmm. this year too. So, I mean, we have a That's taste awesome. of anything and everything that you yeah. could actually. But the talent. Yeah. That's my favorite part. There's no, there's not two bits alike ever in this, in the contest. And that's what some of my judges always, you know, they go, well, what cheek piece are you going to do this year? And I tell them, they're like, who, you're going to have a lot of them look the same. And then guess what? They (laughs) come to me and and (laughs) go, Hey, I have to eat my words on that. Yeah. When I told you, I didn't think that was a good cheek piece. (laughs) <laughs> that was actually really good because none of these look the same. And I mean, to this point right now, we yeah. can walk in there and look at them, and there's not two that are the same. Yeah. I mean, whether it's the way that they finish them, whether it's the yeah. mouthpiece, whether it's the engraving, I mean, <laughs> the sky's the limit on it. And so that's what I find to be super fun and exciting Absolutely. about this because it's yeah. something that there is bit contests out there, there's saddle making contests, but that is the uniqueness staying in those parameters but everybody having that same 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 picture frame but it's what you put in that frame yeah and so it's a great deal this year also we added a a rawhide rain contest too okay uh because we sat there and thought okay we have these really nice bits to silversmiths and bit makers so let's showcase some of the rawhide artists and so we're going to have i believe 10 in the rawhide rain contest Okay. Some pretty There's, incredible. It, it's going to be great, and so I mean, we're looking forward to it. Um, you'll be able to see them on Facebook and Instagram on the Cowboy Arts and Gear Museum. Yeah. Uh, so go and follow. You know. The, yeah. Follow the Gear Museum on there. Yeah. Uh, you'll get updates as far as how the auction will be run, um, how how all that plays out. I think we open up the auction. It so it will be on the Wednesday, computer. Wednesday before the auction actually takes place, the, yeah. the night, yeah. that night. And I think that it ends on a Friday, Friday night. Friday yeah, night, yeah. But, yeah. but uh, I just encourage everybody, you know, whether they want to be part of it and enter it, we always, we, we basically fill it up every year. We limit it to 20 spots. Well, this year I had two monies that came in at the exact same time so it was like they were postmarked the same time everything (laughs) so it was like i couldn't discourage one of them yeah so the board said well let's take 21 this year so we this was the first year we opened it up to 21 (laughs) so we have 21 bit makers in the contest this year that is Um, cool but it's it's unique you can go through and do a collaboration like i said john and i that's how we got our start together yeah is doing that um we you know nevada miller and jeremiah right. watt they, they do a together. collaboration yep. piece i mean we've had in the past uh Baru farrell she did some with matt humper uh, matt humphreys and uh somebody else there was three different makers on one bit. Right, so right. i think that the collectability of that and, yeah. and keeping you know at in that aspect if you're yeah. if you're a collector and looking for some unique pieces really that unique. you're never going to see yeah you know two of them ever like yeah it's something that uh, i would encourage everybody to go out there and kind of follow it and look at that sort of stuff and keep that that interest absolutely 
it's a really unique idea and it goes back to like what we were talking about before where preserving the the craftsmanship and, and encouraging that and recognizing that ultimately we are all on the same team where we're we want the same goals the same outcomes oh for sure this, i mean in this that's western industry that is the definite i mean the uniqueness about the, the bit contest this year that i just have to kind of share i got one guy that's in cow camp in i think arizona or new mexico so <laughs> he only gets to go in and uh work on his bit on the weekends type deal every right. now and then when he goes in yeah. to Same the main, main the headquarters that, um, works for us They've got two ranches. brothers that entered the contest okay. uh, together. So yeah. the one brother just learned to engrave this year. Right. The other one's built, I think, three bits, but never had silver on them, never. So yeah. those two joined forces. Right. So, I mean, there's just the whole spectrum of you're going to see somebody that, you know, Jeremiah that's built. Yeah, done it for years. Hundreds of bits to different makers out there that it might be their third or fourth Well, bit. we had a guy so, last yeah. year. It was last year the Las Cruces here. Yes. And we had a guy enter, and it was his very first bit. That it was his very wow. first bit that he had ever <laughs> built. I mean, it so. And it was it was awesome. It yeah. was just awesome to see that people yeah. have that desire and interest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I just think it's another example of, of just the, just everything coming together. What, be, what better place to do it for a good cause you know and to preserve the craftsmanship and the tradition of of what we're talking about here well guys i think that we could probably talk much much longer (laughs) there's a lot of history it's so cool to sit down and learn more about this and have you guys share um the family history and your guys's passion for for the craftsmanship and and integrity of what you're doing it's it is really really it's an honor so i appreciate that um where can people find out more? Obviously, we've talked a little bit about social media. You guys have a website. Where can people track you down and, and find out more about what they can uh, what they can get from you guys? So, Our website, capriolas.com. Well, yeah. yep. um, give us a call. We, we're we old school. <laughs> the old we, we, we like phone calls a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we do. It's, we still do mail order catalog <laughs> stuff. Um, we, we ship our catalog all over the world, and we still get those letters from our old timers that yeah. they don't have a telephone that's and they don't awesome. have a computer that and is they awesome still need that's something. history right there isn't it like it that's is. that's traditional Correct. still coming snail mail yeah that's awesome but i mean we're on facebook we're on instagram so you could go to jam capriola yeah um, capriola cowgirls another one on instagram uh, i have had a silver one before i was building bits so it's spike triangle silver and so that is my mark inside the bits gotcha. along with that yep. um, people can go ahead and, and follow me Spike John Peters Silver, products John, too. John yep. Peters products yep. so both of us as we build the bits we will post them on those and yeah. then we tag the store and we send them over to the store yeah, so, so you can kind of yeah, you know the cross marketing of yep. it my son uh, he's like I said if people are always looking for an up and comer yeah uh, He's been engraving a year. He's only 17. He's 17. Um, he's, I would say, self-taught. I've given him guidance, and I've given him instructions of how I would do it or how I go about. But and he as, as an artist, he's already put his own flair yeah. on everything that he does. But his is CPW underscore silver. 
uh, on yeah. Instagram. And, uh, you know, awesome. that, like I said, there's the, tomorrow's youth that is keeping the traditions alive and, and looking at art in that aspect and, and keeping it going. We also have a newsletter um, that the store puts out and you can sign up for the newsletter on our website. Sure. And I know Susan's the one that does the stories and the blogs of that sort of stuff. And I'm I not have, very good at it. I have to give her credit because, <laughs> like I said, coming into the business and knowing nothing about it, I mean, yeah. she came from California. I had to go to California to find a wife. That I, was I had somebody, to go to New Zealand. Yeah, so, you know. You know, I, I, I had to go to somewhere that I was not related to anybody, right. and so I had to go out of state. But, you know, for her... I grew up in a ranching She was ranching, but, so. but I, she knew everything, but she didn't sure. know... The business, what the business yeah. aspects yeah. of it were, and yeah. so I've been tickled to have her by my side and Absolutely. to to jump in both feet. Yep, and uh, come out swimming. It's definitely not <laughs> not what I went to school for. I went to <laughs> school for plant science and soil science, and yeah. you can't grow a lot of things in Elko County. But we have such a short window of growing season here. But um, it reminds me of. My wife and I, she's, she was a graphic and web designer. And of course, marrying a cowboy, um, not a lot of call for that. But it turns out as we've gotten our, our business going and horsemanship and cult starting clinics and expos, you know, it's like, wow, that skill comes in real handy. Oh, and then yeah. she's a lot like you. She knows how to make things happen and, and take care of details that we tend to sort of oh, miss. I, I over, <laughs> she says that I overlook it all the time and what she does, you know. I'm in the shop He's the, building He gets bits. to be the creative. I get to be the creative one, but she gets to market it, and she gets right. to sell it, and she yeah. gets to do the behind-the-scenes, the dirty work. Yeah. And I'm the one that gets to come out with all the glory because I did it, but nobody gives, you know, the you women know, behind the just, scenes any of the man, gratification you know, for, just for getting us happen. to that point. You yeah. know, it just would not happen without that. It's, it's a uh, very much a collaborative effort. Well, and it has uh, been a partnership yeah. throughout history. If it wasn't for... Um, GS's wife standing by his side and working mm -hmm. the business with him and same thing with my grandma and grandpa my mom and dad you know I mean the even, generations you know, that Joe Martin too kept real yeah, as yeah. well yeah, yeah so yeah. I mean there's, yeah. there's another podcast there's another... for you all the women behind the scenes <laughs> that in the industry that make everything yeah. go round and, and make yeah. it possible absolutely well guys thank you so much for your yeah, time thank you well that's all from us today Thank you for listening to Life in the Saddle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share and leave a five-star rating or review. Remember, you can find us on social media or our website, truewesthorsemanship.com.